This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word in John chapter 1. We're continuing our growth series and there was a handout available would like to have one you're going to want to get that if you don't have one I will ask the ushers to get into the aisle with the outlines in case you did not get one uh, so that you can have that and and what I hope you're doing as I said in week one is that you're writing down the things that God is saying to you so that you can take it home and you can do something with it this week Uh, Kurt Zinesek and I were discussing this with Pastor Leah this morning, and that is the value of taking these outlines, these handouts home with you so that you can grow by rehearsing them and writing, looking at the things that you wrote down. I was in a meeting yesterday, an incredible speaker who challenged my life with some of our staff and team, and I wrote all over the notes that he gave us Then I snapped a picture of it because if I lose the paper, I don't want to lose the notes that I had written on the page. Because if God speaks this morning, you will not want to forget that. But you will forget it if you don't write it down. So that's why we're giving you the handouts. Father, thank you for what you're about to do. What you've already done, the miracles that have already taken place. Things that we will only know on the other side maybe there'll be an ability to remember over there that on this day change happened breakthrough came healing was available miracles took place and I pray now Lord as we open up your word in this atmosphere of anointing and presence that you will speak strongly to Lake Erie Church and not only to Lake Erie Church but to this community and to this county and to this state because that's the kind of things that you do in Jesus name Amen John chapter 1 you'll notice it's on the screen I don't remember yeah okay everywhere in my Bible that I see Word capitalized, I write Jesus. And I did that for you this morning in that up there so that you would understand that everywhere you read the word, word, and it's capitalized, it's another another word or name that denotes Jesus. And so in this writing of John, it begins the Gospel of John, he's talking about Jesus. All five of these verses are about Jesus as we answer the question who is Jesus Christ let's look at verse 1 in the beginning the word already existed or Jesus already existed you remember in week 1 we said that God did not have a beginning because he always was well it's the same with Jesus the word was with God and the word was God powerful theology right there Word was with God. Word was God. He existed, talking about Jesus, He existed in the beginning with God. 
God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. Verse 4, the Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. We're going to talk, you can be seated. We're going to talk this morning about who Jesus is. We've been talking, as you know, about a number of different things. Who is God? Who am I? What is sin? But today we are talking about who Jesus is. And I have a special assistant who is going to help me this morning. I need a microphone, Pastor Dustin. I'm going to need a microphone. Where is uh, my assistant? Come on, Sophia. Would you welcome Sophia Rios to the stage? Wow, that wasn't very much applause. I'm going to be honest with you. I was expecting more. Sit down right here. Just sit down right there. I'll be fine. I need my notes because I'm an old man. And I don't remember. Sophia is a part of our tweens ministry. 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. She's 11 years old. And she attends Mentor Christian School. What, what is the... What is the Mentor Christian School? Is that the fighting what? What's the Crusaders? Fighting Crusaders. She is the daughter of Josh and Amber Rios and the sister of Gigi and Gabriel. And Sophia has grown up at Lake Erie her whole life. And as you remember uh, several weeks ago, we've been saying that one of the ways that we evaluate how healthy our church is, is by how we are teaching our children about the foundations of faith. It's why Pastor Naomi does what she does. It's why we have tweens ministry. It's why we have high school ministries, young adults. Because we are passing the faith, the torch of our faith, uh, to the next generation. And so, Sophia is a perfect example of the mission that we have in student ministries, that we are attempting to make sure that we are complementing what her mother and her father are doing in teaching her about Jesus, the life that they are living and the example that they are. But in addition to that, we're supplementing that with the teaching that she gets in the various ministries of our church. And so I asked Sophia if she would help me today by answering just a few questions about Jesus Christ, what she knows about Him, what she believes about Him, so that we could see some of that progress that we are, we're talking about. So don't be nervous. Speak out and uh, let us hear from you. So we're, thank you, first of all, for doing this, okay? Your mom and dad are going to reward you for some, some way. I don't know how that's going to be. In your own words, Sophia, would you tell me who Jesus Christ is to you? Yeah, just okay. talking to my um, He's my father and savior. He's someone who died Speak for up a little louder. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you're hollering at Gabriel. Would you do that for me? Just... Um, he's my father and savior. He's someone that died for me. Um, and he died for me so I can be on this earth. Um, and, he, well, okay, can I start over? You sure okay. can. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> you do 
doing fine. All right. Um, he is my father and savior. Um, he died for me um, and made me so I can be on this earth. And he's someone that loves me and cares for me. Absolutely. Wonderful. So when you, first of all, let me just ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died for your sins? Yes. Okay. So why do you believe that or how do you know that Jesus died for your sins? Um, I know this because in the Bible, um, verse uh, John fourteen six tells me that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And um, I'm sorry, I have to read my notes here. Okay. <laughs> um, he tells us that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And every time we need him, he's there guiding us and watching over us. And he he's always there. <laughs> a very good answer, very prepared answer, and I know you had just a day or two to put that together, so it was very good. Was your older sister, was she the one that helped you do that, or did you do that on your own? Um, well, Gigi kind of helped me, and Sophia Rivers. Okay. Um, Shout out to Sophia. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So, you have friends. First of all, are there any cute boys in the sixth grade at all? Mm, no. Not a cute boy at all. None. We can, we can pray about that. <laughs> And you're, you just made your dad very happy, by the way. Um, but your friends at school, or, or friends that you have otherwise and other events that you have, when you talk about Jesus Christ to them, or if you do talk to them, or you tell them that you love Jesus, how do you explain that to them? What, what's the language or kind of what those conversations are when you're telling your friends about Jesus? Like, like what? <laughs> So like, I'm confused. When you, if some friend of yours, okay, who's your best friend that's not your family? From which school? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, Desiree. Desiree. So if Desiree were to ever say, Sophia, do you know Jesus Christ? And you would say yes. And she asked you to tell her about Jesus. What would you say? Um, I love Jesus because. Um, I've seen him do many miracles on me, my family, and my friends. Um, and he can, like, do work, like, make miracles for you. And um... <laughs> You're doing fine. And I don't know. He's just always there with me. So, And I would really, like, explain to her, like, well, I would ask her, why do you not believe in Jesus? Yeah. Because she's my friend, but... She's not really a Christian, yeah. but um, one of my friends here from church is Layla, and um, shout out to Layla. <laughs> but we won't ask you if Layla's a Christian. We'll, oh. <laughs> we'll let Layla answer that herself. Here's just what I want you to know, Sophia. The church loves you. We really love you. We really believe in you, and the people that we're putting in spaces where you are are designed we're hoping that they're telling you about Jesus and we know that your faith is developing you know it, when you're 12 years old 11 years old you're you still learning a lot of things and so we don't expect that you have the answers to all the questions we just hope you're going to ask that question and that somebody will be ready to answer that question and I just want you to know when you look out there at all those people many of them are ready to help you know Jesus and to understand who he is and I'm very very proud of you Okay, let's hear it for Sophia Rios. God bless you. Do you like it?
give that to Pastor Dustin. It's so interesting at times for me to walk the hallways and to engage with these kids and have an opportunity to ask them just sometimes, it, just simple questions about who Jesus is because it's so very important. So as we start thinking about who Jesus is today, I, I was trying to think of a way to explain because so many times it's, it's, it's really important that you understand when I say Jesus, we, we know from the scripture that we believe in the Trinity, which means we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and we believe that's one God, three distinct expressions of, of God. So how would you explain that? And so with the help of Lisa Johnson, I am going to try to show you what I mean by this today. So this, in fact, would everybody agree that this is one apple? One juicy red apple. It's one apple. But this apple is made up, really, of three parts. So we peeled off the flesh, or the, the skin of the apple. That's one part of the apple. And then, of course, you have the inside, which, of course, is the flesh of the apple. And then if you were close enough, you could see that in here are the seeds of that apple. So there are three parts of the apple, but it's just one apple. And it's an easy way to think about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit because it's three in one. A lot of people have struggled with that over the years and they've, they've had a difficult time trying to factor that in and not everybody uh, necessarily believes that. Some have taught and supposed through the years that God transformed himself into Jesus and that Jesus came to the earth and then he went back to heaven and when he came, then he came back as the Holy Spirit. Now the problem with that teaching is that it does not accept that Jesus Christ was both God and man at the same time. And the miracle of Jesus' birth was that not only was he, as God, was he God, but he was God in the flesh in that he was also a man. He was tempted like a man. So as God, in the scripture we see him blessing the meal that fed 5,000. But as a man, we see him tempted in the same way in the desert, just like we are. Now, remember that last week I told you God cannot be tempted with sin. So you've got a problem if you think that God was Jesus, God the Father was Jesus, because the Bible said God's not tempted with sin. Who was tempted was Jesus the man. Jesus the man was the one that was tempted in the wilderness by, by the devil. Here's another good example to look at the Trinity and try to understand a little bit about three in one. When Jesus was baptized in John chapter 3, the Bible said that he was baptized and when he was, a voice from heaven, now Jesus is on the earth being baptized, that the people that were there witnessing, according to John 3, they heard a voice in heaven that said, what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And a dove, a bird, symbolizing the Holy Spirit came down in that moment. And all three of those, God, all three of, of those elements of God were present at the baptism. So there's no 
There's no distinction that does not permit the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three distinct. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, He promised us that when He went away, He would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would come back. So when we are talking about Jesus Christ, we are talking about the second person of the Godhead. We are talking about the second person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is that second person of the Godhead. One of the things that I, as I've been doing this and preparing to speak this to you, is I've been asking myself to try to better understand what in fact Jesus is like. What is Jesus like? Because every one of us have an image of Jesus in our head that we have conjured up as the result of our upbringing, from our association with other people, from our reading. And it's important to understand that that image may or may not be exactly what Jesus is like. What do we know about Jesus? Well, we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger to a virgin girl named Mary. We know that Jesus' birth occurred miraculously. It was predicted by the prophets hundreds of years before he was born. We know that Jesus lived 33 and a third years on the earth before he voluntarily died at Calvary. We know that Jesus is the center of Christianity. He is the divider between the Christian faith and every other religion in the world. We know that Jesus is the launch pad to eternal life. We know that Jesus performed many miracles, taught the kingdom of God, and died as a payment for the sins of all humanity. But we also know this. We know Jesus was not white. We know Jesus was not black. We know that Jesus did not speak English. We know that Jesus is not an American citizen. We know that Jesus was never married. We know that Jesus did not have biological children. We know that Jesus did not own a home. And Jesus was not rich. So when you think about that list, that doesn't make your white, black, or Latino, English, American, married, wealthy, home-owning parents wrong. It simply means that we have issues at times in trying to imagine and conceptualize who Jesus is. And if we're not careful sometimes, we, we will have problems with issues in the world like money or politics or immigration or sex or any of that kind of stuff. And then we think that's a problem that we have with Jesus. But it's not. It's a problem that we have with people. And a problem that we have with groups of people. But it's not a problem with Jesus. How do I know that? I know that because Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican. I know that Jesus is not a white conservative or a black activist. I know that Jesus did not speak Spanish. In fact, you ready for this? Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. Now, I don't know that we have any Middle Eastern people in the room. But the closest that I can come to, and I've thought about this a little bit, the closest I can come to would be, he looks a little bit like Asubio Perez. He's Puerto Rican, 
He's not Middle Eastern, but he's as close to Middle Eastern looking as anybody I know in the church. But Jesus is not, Subio Perez is not Jesus, by the way, just in case. I hope they got that on the podcast. I hope they heard that laugh. What's, my, what's the point? The point is, is that sometimes you will hear people critiquing the Christian faith and say that, the, that Jesus, the, the faith about Jesus is too white or it cares too much about money or it's too conservative politically. And what I'm telling you is they're not talking about the Christian faith. They are talking about issues they have with people. And they're not talking about Jesus because their issue is not with Jesus. And so it becomes important that we understand that our personal experience with Jesus is going to be just that. So however you envision Him in, his, in your mind, it's fine. It's fine. As long as you stay true to Scripture and you understand that your conception of Jesus visually doesn't require everybody else to have that same conception of because I've heard people say, well, I can tell you my Jesus didn't have long hair. How do you know that? You see, Jesus was so countercultural. And we talked about this back in the summer, didn't we? He, he was so countercultural that religious people could not figure Jesus out. And that's why they killed him. He was always eating with sinners and hanging out with folks that they wouldn't have anything to do with. He was always talking about the kingdom of God in ways that were were difficult for religious people to get their hands around because what religious people do is they, they conform Jesus to their image and you're not going to be able to do that with Jesus. So when you think about it, it's important to remember that Jesus was not, uh, he's, he, Jesus is not the embodiment of what you think Jesus is. He's what the Word of God says that He is. So don't get, don't get bogged down about, you know, the, 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 the arguments that people have. And I, I just, I get so annoyed that we argue about the silliest things. About whether, I saw one the other day, we're arguing about whether Jesus had blue eyes. Who cares if Jesus had blue eyes or not? Here's the point. Jesus changed the world when He came. There was such a dramatic transformation in the world because of Jesus. I want you to see this in John chapter 21 verse 25. John finishes out the gospel and he says this. Jesus did so many other things. If they had all been written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would have been written. That's how much Jesus did. The four Gospels tell us as much as they can. But they're all saying it wasn't even enough. What we told you about Jesus didn't even scratch the surface of who he was and what he did. So for a few minutes this morning before we do anything else, I want you to look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to just walk you through something very powerful about Jesus that I think is important. Now, through the years, I have preached this passage so many times in so many different ways. 
until a few weeks ago when I grabbed this, I saw something I'd never seen before. And I, I, I captured it because I want to say it to you. So Jesus and his disciples are out somewhere hanging out together. And there have been some rumors and things going on in the community about the miracles that are taking place. And the crowds are coming and people are, are clamoring. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious leaders, are having this huge problem with Jesus. And they're scared of all these crowds. And in a quiet moment, Jesus asked a powerful question of his disciples. He said, who do men say that I am? In other words, what's the, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? And you can just hear them. Well, I know a guy, he says one time he thought you were John the Baptist. And some say that you're Elijah come back from the dead. And then Jesus said this, who do you think I am? And that's the question that everybody in this room has to answer. And you will answer it. You'll either answer it now or you'll answer it in the judgment. Because the Bible tells me at the end of this age, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will recognize, God has determined, you will recognize Him for who He is. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13, when Jesus came in the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? They said, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, answered and said, you are the Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. So the big question is, who do you say that I am? Because you and I just don't, we don't just believe in God. That's the, that's the quick and easy answer. We just say, well, we believe in God, but we believe in more than God. We are more than just spiritual people. We don't just go to church. We just don't live by a moral code in life. But to be a Christ follower, to believe in Jesus Christ means that you believe that a Palestinian baby showed up on this earth over 2,000 years ago, 9,000 miles away from us, and claimed to be God as a human being, that he lived a sinless life for 33 years and then volunteered his life to die and after three days after his death he rose from the dead. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. And that's why I worry sometimes that people believe that as long as they just come to church, as long as they just pay their tithes, as long as they just give and volunteer, and we all have good friends in churches that, that teach that by your works, by your good deeds, and they build hospitals and charities, and they believe that just doing good things will get them to heaven. But the Bible said, unless you believe in your heart 
that Jesus Christ is God's Son. As I described, He's God's Son. He's not, he's not God the Father. He's not God the Holy Spirit. He's God's Son, God's only Son. And that He died for you, you're not going to be a Christian. And, and I know that doesn't, that doesn't sit well with some people. And it feels judgmental, but it's just the truth. That if you're going to be a Christ follower, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and that He died for your sins. And that's why this is such a big question. That's why it's not just flippant. That's why I'm interested in what Sophia Rios believes about Jesus Christ. That's what I want to know that these students right here know who Jesus is. Because I don't want them to buy the lie that if they just come to church and they can go home and do whatever they want. No, I want them to know that Jesus Christ changes your life and makes you a new creature. And you are changed by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This inquiry of Jesus, it opens up the real question. When Jesus said, who do the, who do the people think that I am? Who do men say that I am? He's not, he's not caring what people say about him. That's not what he's asking. He's getting to the root of the question when he says to them, okay, now who do you think I am? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? Because that's the question that has to be answered this morning. Because you have to decide that question for yourself. Your mother can't decide it for you. Your daddy can't decide it. Your pastor can't decide it. You have to decide for yourself who Jesus Christ really is. And believe me, everybody has an opinion about Jesus Christ. I know we had a discussion here not too long ago about atheism with some of you. Let me tell you, even an atheist, I, I don't care what they tell you, they have an opinion about Jesus Christ. And I'm not so sure there's really any atheist in the world. I think there's some people who've convinced themselves that, that that's a good way for them to put off the question, but they'll still answer the question. But here's the question. Here, here's something I read this week. In the, in the 2020 survey by Lifeway Research, they indicated 52% of Americans no longer believe Jesus is God's son. Now that number is staggered when you, when you look at the, the research. If you're over 50, the number is way higher than that. But when you look at the number of students and young adults under that, that's a significant number of them who are growing up and not believing that Jesus Christ is God's son. That's why generations matter. That's why we have to teach. It's why we have youth group. It's why we have tweens ministry. It's why Naomi is our children's pastor. Because we must teach our children to know and to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it's very important. Because if He doesn't, now listen to me. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, two things are then true. Number one, Jesus' death on Calvary doesn't mean anything. He's just another thief on a cross that's dying. If he's not God's son, Calvary means nothing if you don't believe that Jesus is God's son. And the second thing is, is that his blood that was shed for us was no more powerful than Jerome Barclay's blood. 
The blood of Jesus is not powerful like we sing when we take communion. It's not powerful if Jesus is not God's son. Because as God's son, he was sinless. The only person that has ever lived that didn't commit sin. The Bible said he was tempted at all points as we are and yet without sin. And his blood redeems us and forgives us because his blood is like no other blood because he is God's son. And so to deny that Jesus is God's son, some of these surveys say he's a, he's a great priest, he's a great, he's a great teacher. Well, Jeannie Roden's a great teacher. But her blood won't save you. And she's not going to die for you. But Jesus did. And he was more than just a teacher. And so one of the challenges that I, I have for you this morning is for you to answer this question. Which Jesus are you following? Because all of us, the kind of Jesus that we worship has been influenced by so many things. The Jesus that I was first introduced to was from my parents. As I said with Sophia, your parents are telling you about Jesus. We had that responsibility. My parents were the first ones to tell me about Jesus. And the things that they taught me about Jesus is how I formed my idea about Jesus. And then I went to Sunday school. And at Sunday school, they taught me a song. Some of you are old enough to remember this song. It goes like this. Lazarus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up. You have to do the, you know, you have to do the motions. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. And my concept of Jesus was the way my mother pointed her finger at me and said, you stop doing that. And I grew up with that finger pointing Jesus in my head. So you doubt that he pointed the finger at Zacchaeus. But my point is, is that that influenced the way that you think about Jesus. Your concept of Jesus can be influenced by the media. Some of you that have you know, have recently come to faith. You, you didn't even know that Jesus was God's son. You just thought it was a cuss word that people used. Because that's all the time you'd ever heard the name of Jesus Christ. Your, your, your concept of Jesus is shaped by your experiences. Sometimes your, your concept of Jesus is, is, is influenced by your race. The culture you grow up in. The scriptures that you know. And one of the concerns I have is that the kind of Jesus that we see in our mind has an impact on the kind of follower that we're going to be of Jesus. The way that we see Jesus in our minds. Listen, you may not agree with this, but I honestly believe it. If your view of Jesus is always hating the same things that you do, and the same people that you do, and the same types of things that you do, then you are at risk in, of chasing a Jesus that you have created in your own mind. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. In fact, a true view of Jesus is always going to challenge my prejudice. It's going to always challenge my preferences. It's going to challenge my judgmentalism. 
And it's going to change my heart to be more compassionate and more grace-filled. When Jesus is in your heart, it's going to challenge those things about you and force you to have to come to grips with the way that you see the world and the way that you treat people. You ever noticed, it's so sad to say this, you ever noticed that some of the most hateful people you've ever met claim to be Christians? Hateful. But they love Jesus. I remember, I remember going into a church one time and sitting down in a chair and the woman came up to me and blessed me out for sitting in her chair. Now, I was a believer and I, I, did, I, I was very polite. I went and found another seat. But I sat there that service and I just burned. I wanted to go over there and yank a knot in her. How dare you? You don't know who I am. I'm a visitor in your church. Who cares what seat you sit in? If you're, if you're married to a seat, we'll give you the seat and you can take it home with you. You're not going to want it because we're getting rid of those chairs eventually. But here's the point. We represent Jesus. And if the Jesus that we have causes us to be hateful, we're chasing the wrong Jesus. If the Jesus that we are chasing doesn't cause us to love all people, we're chasing the wrong Jesus. When I read the scriptures, I read my Bible. If it doesn't challenge me, if Jesus doesn't challenge me to be better than I am, then I'm probably skipping the more important parts of the Bible. So Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, and I'm going to give you these two and then we'll be finished. Here's what he said. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ comes from the Hebrew word meaning the anointed one. Because there was nobody on earth like Jesus. He was the chosen one. He was the anointed one. His mission was exclusive. There was no other person. Never has been another person on the earth who had the mission that Jesus had. Nobody fulfilled the prophecy about Jesus. Nobody had to meet the expectations that Jesus had. And he came to earth and he knew what his mission was. He came to die he was, in fact, according to the Old Testament prophets, he was a Messiah. He was anointed. One of, the, one of the disciples in Acts chapter 4 said about him in verse 12, There is no salvation in anyone else. God has given to no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's only one way to heaven. I don't... I know that Oprah Winfrey had this thing years ago and everybody got all messed up about it when she was teaching. There are many ways to get to God. Well, there are ways to get to God, but there's only one way to get saved. There's only one way by which you are saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. There was this moment in the life of Jesus when 
he was preaching about their commitment and he said, you must eat my flesh, you must drink my blood. And they, the Bible said many of them walked away. It was a hard teaching and it was. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, are you going to walk away as well? And Peter says, where could we go? You are the only one that has the words of eternal life. You're not going to go to heaven because you were a member of the church. You're not going to heaven because you're a good person. You're not going to go to heaven because you read your Bible. You're going to go to heaven because you believe in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would never perish but have everlasting life. So regardless of what others may believe, listen very carefully. I'm telling you this. God is alive and Jesus is His only begotten Son. You cannot believe in God and not believe in His Son. You cannot believe that God loves you without believing that God loves you enough to send His Son to die for you. You cannot believe in God's power without believing that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So as we finish, let's let's wrap up the last little piece of this discourse because... Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, he's telling him, you didn't come up with this on your own. It came to you by my father, he said. It came as a revelation from my father to you. What does that mean for us? It means that if you sit here in this room today, in your own right, you will never be able to conceptualize Jesus without the Holy Spirit helping you. It is the Spirit of God that helps you to see Jesus for who He is. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, when He comes, He will talk about me. He said, you guys are reading the Bible and you think that you're smart, but everything in Bible's talking about me and when the Holy Spirit comes he's going to direct you to me you know how you got saved you know how it happened that you got saved you may not have been in church but then you might have been in church but you were somewhere at some time and the Holy Spirit gave you an illumination of some kind of something happened and you began to see Jesus for who he was You began to recognize that you needed a Savior, that you were a sinner. You didn't come to that on your own. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't come to that revelation by yourself. The Holy Spirit helps you to do that. My Father sends the Spirit so that you can understand that you need Jesus. He said, you didn't get that on your own. Here's how you got that. My Father gave it to me. And then he says something very prophetic that Lake Erie Church needs to hear. So while somebody gets ready to play, everybody else just stay in place. Singers can come later. Listen. Jesus said to Peter, he said, You're Peter. Peter's name meant rock. 
your Peter, and upon this rock. Now, don't get confused. He's not saying that the church is built on Peter. He's just saying there's, your name means rock, so let's use that as the, as the metaphor. You're Peter, and upon this rock, what rock? The revelation that you just gave. What you just said, what just came out of your mouth, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that principle, upon that foundation, I'm going to build a church. Now, Lloyd Scott founded this church 58 years ago. But the church wasn't built on Lloyd Scott. He was just the pastor. The church was built on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. It is the message of the church. It is the mission of the church. It is the focus of the church. It must be the focus of our singing. It must be the emphasis of our teaching. It must be everything that we do at this church to elevate the name of Jesus Christ to a world that does not know Him. And that's the principle on which God is building the church. You know, you could say, well, if we just had us a super duper whooper whopper preacher, we could build us a church. No, you won't. No, you won't. The other day, Jeannie wrote and told everybody that I was a cool, young, hip preacher. I like Jeannie wrote. I like her. But I'm telling you, a cool, hip, young preacher won't build a church. God builds the church because the church elevates Jesus Christ to a lost world. And, and let me tell you, churches die all the time. And, and I know what I'm about to say may not go well, and some of you will probably push back, and that's fine. I gave you a, a number where you could text me your questions. You can also text your criticisms. But here's what I'm saying. Churches are closing all the time. In fact, I just read the other day that 15,000 churches in America closed during covid and many of those churches close day after day, week after week. Not in every case, but many of them close because they're not lifting up the name of Jesus anymore. The church has become about itself, about its money, about its resources, about its reputation, about its political agenda, about who's president, who's not president. And we've gotten away from the fact that Jesus Christ said, I'm going to build a church on the revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's the only way a church can grow. It's the only way a church will be built. Because this world needs Jesus. This world needs to know that there is a Savior that loves them. My God, I feel Him in my heart right now. This world needs to know. And we have a responsibility. And then notice what Jesus said, Charlie. He said, I'll build this church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And as long as I've been preaching, Steve Erickson, I preached that for years and years and years like it was a defensive term. It was like that hell was coming against the church and we were doing our very best to hold back the devil and the flood of evil. But one day the Lord kind of ministered to me in prayer and I thought, I've got the wrong idea. That's not a defensive term, it's an offensive term. And what it means is this, that when we walk out of this house today, we have the power of God and the devil cannot stop us. The devil cannot prevent the people of God from telling the story about Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel the holy presence of the Lord in this room. 
Hey, I wrote in my notes. I said to my, in my notes today, when you walk out of that door, it makes the devil nervous. Because he doesn't know where you're going. He doesn't know where you're going to eat lunch. And he's scared to death. You're going to tell somebody about Jesus. You drive to your job tomorrow, he's nervous. He doesn't know what conversations you're going to have. He doesn't know what's about to take place. But he knows if Jesus is lifted up, you hear me? If Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. You want to have revival in your school? Tell people about Jesus. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a singer. All you have to do is just tell people what Jesus has done for you. You want to have revival on your job? Tell people about Jesus. You say, well, you know, I, I don't think that. No, listen, I'm telling you. They talk about everything else at work. Tell people about Jesus. Tell your family about Jesus. And the promise is that the gates of hell He'll just keep backing up because he can't stop you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are more than a conqueror because God has given you the power and the authority to take the name of Jesus everywhere you go. He said, in my name you will cast out devils. In my name you will perform mighty deeds of healing and miracles. Because why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. He is the only son of God. He is God's only son. And he came to this earth as a baby. And he grew up so that he could die for your sins. There on that cross he declared that he was your savior. And he redeemed you from your sin. Because because he is God's only son. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.